Thank you. May be seated this morning. I am John. For those of you that don't know me, I am blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark, and I love this place. I love this church, and I hope that if you're a guest with us, uh, you'll stay around because I believe you'll love it too. And uh, so we're thankful for you being here this morning. Turn me to Psalms chapter 91. Psalms 91, and we have uh, been in a series for a few weeks uh, in Psalms, and actually a few, uh, I don't know, a month or maybe six weeks ago, uh, I asked you uh, a question on Facebook uh, that, what, what's your favorite book in Psalms? What is your favorite book in Psalms? And um, so I really just kind of uh, picked the ones that you picked. I calculated, I was like, there was like 200 comments on Psalms, and so we kind of narrowed it down to those uh, that were the most, I guess, popular, uh, most requested, or fam- uh, your favorite psalm. And so we've just kind of been going through those. Uh, next week we're going to be uh, going to Psalms chapter 22, and we're going to have a great celebration next week with uh, a communion, uh, Lord's table, and then also with baptisms. And so I hope you'll join us. I love the idea, as Ben mentioned, uh, for next week you can buy a shirt out in the atrium bring your, you know, your cash and buy a shirt. And, and what is a cool idea that every shirt that you buy, you're going to be a part of the process of making disciples who make disciples. So someone who comes to Christ is going to get a shirt because you were willing uh, to purchase one. I think that's a pretty good deal, right? And so I'm glad to be a part of that, that process. And so uh, I would encourage you this morning, uh, if you're new with us, this may be a little awkward, but, but that's okay. Uh, we're, I'm going to ask you if you have your, you know, your phone, your iPad to uh, Hallmark is, is now live on Facebook this morning, right now, and so I want to encourage you to share that, and the reason I'm asking you to do that is because as you share that, then uh, it's an opportunity, really, it's, it's going to invite someone to church this morning, right? Now, you should be doing that through the week. Don't let this be, uh, you know, your way out that you invited someone on social media. You should invite someone all week, but as you share uh, this uh, feed, it's going to reach someone that we maybe don't know. It's going to reach someone that maybe we don't have contact with, and, and maybe this morning this is just the message that they need to hear. Uh, Psalms 91. I, I, I'm curious this morning, I, I, I'll be completely honest, um, I am, um, I would what you consider a very random thinker. Can I get an amen from any random thinkers? Like, I'm still looking for the Facebook feed and, and trying to talk to you, and it's really confusing me. But I'm a random, and, and so um, I'm, I'm curious. The, if you look at the bulletin this morning, the outline there says uh, this word, turmoil. That's a word, and again, this really just hit me as I was sitting there. I was like, that's a word that's kind of hard to define, or at least for me it's hard to define. Like, I have an idea of what, I know what comes to my mind. And what made me start thinking about this, I, I got to be a part in the last few weeks uh, Allison has got us, our children's director got us into this Read to Win program. And so on Wednesdays, I get to spend about an hour and a half at one of our local elementary schools, and I get to read to kids. And when you read to six-year-old kids or, or have six-year-old kids read to, to you, you start having to think differently, right? So to use the word turmoil, how would I define that to a six-year-old kid? I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I don't have an answer. I was just asking the question. But, I, so I, as I was sitting here thinking through this, I'm telling you, I'm a random thinker, I decided I'm going to ask what is, I'm going to def- define for me, so I am asked Google on my iPad here a second ago, to define for me what turmoil is. Because I, I, 
How many of you know what it means? You know, you understand what the idea of turmoil is. Put your hand up, all right? But, but how many of you, please be honest, help me out a little bit. How many would struggle to actually define it, like to a six-year-old kid, right? So here's, here's the definition. A state of great disturbance. I'm not sure a six-year-old would understand that. Confusion. We, can we understand confusion? Some of you are confused right now. Uncertainty. How many of you can identify with that definition of turmoil? Uncertainty. And the reason that this struck me this week as we were talking about Psalms 91, as I was reading through it, um, this past Tuesday we had an election, right? And I'm thankful, as Dave already mentions, I'm thankful for the veterans who fought for our freedom to be able to go and vote and have our voice heard. Uh, And I'm thankful to live in a country where uh, most cases we have a peaceful election and outcomes of those elections. And if you've, if you've traveled much or you've read much news, you know that's not always the case in a lot of countries. And so I'm thankful that we have that process. But in, but in the lead up to the election, it seems like, and maybe this is just because I'm uh, getting older, but it seems like every election that now comes up, especially every two or four years, that, that there's a lot of uh, turmoil in our culture. There's a lot of uncertainty in our culture. And I would say with that word uncertainty, what I would add to that maybe definition is with uncertainty also comes anxiety. I mean, is that just a natural progression there that if I'm uncertain about things, I have a tendency to be a little nervous, maybe anxious, um, some anxiety. So uncertainty may lead to anxiety. And it seems to me that the next step of anxiety then is that uncertainty, anxiety, always seems to lead to fear, that next level of turmoil. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? And I sense that a lot in our, in our culture, the uncertainty leading to anxiety, leading to, to fear, uh, based on an election. Are, are you guys tracking me right? And here's what, what I started thinking through. No matter who gets elected, is God still in control? Yes. No matter who gets elected, should I be fearless? You weren't so ready to say that, were you? So we're very confident that God's in control, yet it doesn't translate to us to not have fear. Does that add up at all in reality? So is God in control, yes or no? So should I not fear what man can do to me? Yes or no? You, you sense the turmoil we are in the room right now? This anxiety of, well, yeah, but if this happens and this happens and this happens and, and, and you've quickly gone from uncertainty to anxiety to fear. And fear is, let's just really be honest this morning, fear is a lack of faith. Fear is a lack of faith. I believe God can do anything and all things, and God is all-powerful, but uh, if this person gets elected, all, you know what, it's going to break loose, right? And so as I think through these things, and I have to think, in, in the, the psalmist here in Psalms 91 has some real interesting words, and it almost lends itself to like a, an image of, of battle, like I'm, I'm in danger. Okay, this idea of turmoil, uncertainty, 
And so in the midst of danger, uncertainty, turmoil, what is the psalmist? What is the psalmist's experience and what is what does he write about? And and the reason I use the word psalmist is because I don't know who wrote the book, all right? We don't know exactly who wrote Psalms 91. Some believe that it, that it was possibly Moses that wrote this book. I think what's kind of neat about that is because we don't know who wrote it, then we really can't completely pin down what's the context of it, which in some ways is obviously not good, but in some ways it's really good for us because the application then is pretty broad. So when we think about any uncertainty we may be facing, any turmoil, whether that is outside turmoil, maybe that's inner turmoil, maybe that's family turmoil, maybe that's uh, election turmoil, whatever the turmoil that might be in our life, then this can apply to that, that, that God ultimately is still in control, that God ultimately is still God and all-powerful, and He is trustworthy. Let me give for you the definition of trust. So the big idea of the message this morning is this. But before I get there, let me, read, let me read one verse of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. We read this Wednesday night in our Bible study, and, and I would encourage you if, you, if you have time and you're available, show up on Wednesday night at 6.30. We have a great time of Bible study together. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. In, in fact, it's going to be on the screen. I want you to look up here and, and read it with me, all right? I'm going to give the reference, and then you start reading with me when we get to trust. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So there's two key words in there, right? Uh, Obviously trust, but then there's another word that appears twice. Trust in the Lord with what? With, With a portion of of your fears and a portion of your anxieties and a portion of your doubt and a portion is that what it says so all means okay well good trust the lord with all your heart and lean not in understanding in what all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths so could this apply to any or all elections could this apply to any situation in my life? That I'm going to have to trust him with part of my fear? Or all of my fear? All of it. So here's the key thought this morning. When, when life is in turmoil, trust. It's a deep thought this morning. When life is in turmoil, trust. Last week we said when we're in the wilderness... You remember what we said when we're in the wilderness? What? Worship. Choose to worship. When life is in turmoil, trust. Let's, let's read through Psalms 91 again, as Pastor Dave has already read, but let's take time to read through it again uh, this morning. Psalms chapter 91. I'm going to read it out of my Bible here. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. I think you might ought to highlight my. He's not just a fortress. He's not just a refuge. The psalmist says he is what? My refuge, my fortress. He is my God. In him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. 
His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Do you understand here? If we truly trust God, we don't have to fear. If we truly trust God, we will not fear. Verse 5, you should not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Look at that verse again, the first word, because. Skip back, skip down to where it says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near you, near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, and their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against, foot against the stone. This is the scripture that the, the devil quoted to Jesus. We don't have time to get into that, but verse 13, you shall tr- tread upon the lion and the cobra. You, the young lion, the serpent, shall trample underfoot. Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on a high on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life and I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So this first point this morning is trust. Trust in the Lord. When life is in turmoil, trust in God. The definition of trust we went over this Wednesday night. Trust simply means a firm belief in the... Re- Listen to this. Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Do you catch it? The reliability, the truth, the ability, and the strength of someone or something. When we place our trust in the Lord, is He reliable? Is He truth? Is He able? Is He strong enough? All the above. So that simple question, and I think a simple answer is, is God trustworthy? Definitely he's trustworthy. Now, let's look at a few verses. So if you have your bulletin, uh, there is some Hebrew words there that are mentioned. And so let's walk through those really quick, all right? So the first one here, in in verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The Hebrew word there is El Yon, meaning possession. So here, let me just give you a quick definition. It means possession. The implication here is that God is the owner of everything. He's the owner of everything in heaven. The owner of everything on earth. He's the owner because he's the creator. The most high. The next word there, the almighty, verse 2 says, or again, verse 1 says, shall abide under the shadow of the almighty, the word there being should I, or he's the provision. The picture here is that God is the provider of all. Aren't you thankful that God is the provider of all? And he can be the provider of all because he's the creator of all. The next word there in, in verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. And this, this word Lord, anytime in scripture you see, it, probably in your text here, the word Lord here is capitalized, all caps. And, and the Hebrew word there then is Jehovah, the promise, the great I am. 
It's the, it's the word that when, when Moses said, who shall I tell the people that sent me? And he says, I am that I am has sent you. The Jehovah, the creator, the God, the all-powerful one. This is the most used name of God in all of Scripture, Jehovah. Let's look at the next one. My God, in him I will trust. The Hebrew there, word there is Elohim, meaning power. So let's just think about these, the Most High, Elion, Almighty, Shaddai, Lord, Jehovah, God, Elohim. And I ask the question again, is God worthy of your trust? Is God trustworthy? And that's why scripture says, I will trust in God, therefore I, therefore I will not fear what man can do unto me. I will not fear what may happen in the country. I will not fear who may be or may not be elected. Now, now don't get me wrong. We have a responsibility to edu- educate ourselves and to vote, and we, we exercise that right, and we need to exra- exercise that right, and we're involved in the process. But ultimately, I don't have to be fearful of who is elected or who's not elected. Ultimately, I don't have to fear anything. I don't have to fear anything on earth because God is in control. And it makes me wonder, as much as we as Americans enjoy our freedom, and again, I, I don't want to underscore or, or uh, really put down anything that veterans are done because I owe them my freedom. But wh- how? Here, here's the question I wrestle with. If we as Americans, so I'll take you out of the equation. If me as an American did not have freedom and I didn't live in a place like we live would I still trust God see my my hope is not in America I'm sorry my hope is in Jesus I'm thankful for America and I honor anyone who serves this great country. But I worship God. And I trust Him only. And if something were to happen in this country that we no longer have our freedom, you know who I still hope I worship? God. He's bigger than my problems. He's bigger than my circumstances. He's bigger than the United States of America. And so the author here talks about this understanding of, I'm going to trust God. Verse, I love verse 1 and, and verse 9 that brings us this idea that I'm going to dwell with God. I'm going to pursue God. And a part of trusting God is that I'm going to pursue Him. I'm going to put Him first in my life. And He's going to be my priority. And I'm going to do everything I can to seek after Him and pursue Him. And, and when life gets difficult and when life is in turmoil, I'm going to not stray from God, I'm actually going to get closer to God. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into God. I'm going to lean into Scripture, and I'm going to say, God, I don't understand, and God, it doesn't make sense, and there's all this uncertainty and this, this uh, fear, and I don't want that. God, I want to trust you. I want to know you more. I want to dwell. And here the psalmist is in fear. He's in danger. He's in turmoil. But what does he do? I'm going to dwell the house of the Lord. I'm going to make the Lord my dwelling place. I'm going to lean into God. I'm going to pursue Him. 
Trust God. Let's look at the next one. We're going to trust God. And when we trust God, we get peace from God. Right? So we want to trust in God, and when we trust in God, we get peace from God. And again, peace is not dependent on circumstances. Peace is not d- dependent on freedom. Peace of God is not dependent on, on anything that's going on in my life. Peace of God is not dependent on health. Because if peace of God was dependent on health, a lot of us would, have not, would not have peace of God. If peace of God was dependent on freedom, there's a lot of people all over the world that would not have peace from God. And that's not true. This idea here, as the psalmist goes through in 91, he says here that if I will dwell in the house of the Lord, and I will, I will lean and pursue and trust God. And it goes on, I don't have to be afraid, for he'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And it goes on. And then look at verse 9. It says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. He goes on to list these things. Now this doesn't mean that if I trust God and if I have enough faith that that everything in my life is going to be good. The psalmist is in the middle of danger. The psalmist is struggling for life, and you get that sense here, but he still is leaning to God. What it is saying, though, is listen, you ever heard the statement, the safest place for you to be is in the center of God's will? And I'm not sure if that's true. If you read Hebrews chapter 11 and you see all the the heroes of the faith and you see all the great things that God accomplished through them and all the victories that God gave them because of their faith, that's why they're in Hebrews chapter 11 as as what scholars have determined or or deemed as the the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, and you go read read the chapter and all these great things that God allowed them to do. But the, the last part of the chapter... It gets pretty dark. Like even though all these people had faith, terrible things happened to them. Their children died. Read it. So how can they be men and women of faith in the center of God's will and all this become evil come upon them? So I don't think necessarily that the safest place for any of us to be is in the center of God's will, I would change one word. The best place for any of us to be is in the center of God's will. Now, if we want to talk about safest as in nothing's going to harm me unless it's of God, then I'll agree to that. But just because we're walking with God doesn't mean bad things are going to happen to us. It doesn't mean that Satan's not going to attack us. It doesn't mean that everything in life is great. Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the king and said, even if God doesn't save us, we will not bow to your image. They knew God had the power to save them. They just didn't know if God was going to choose to save them. Even if God doesn't clear up my circumstances, do you realize I can still have peace from God? My peace should not be dependent on my circumstances. My peace is dependent on a person, and that person is Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, we, read that, uh, we quoted that last week. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And we said, make a choice to what? Rejoice. Thank you, Ben. Make a choice to... We've got five of you now. Make a choice to... 
And then Philippians 4, verse 6, two verses later. What does that say, do you know? Be anxious for some things. Be anxious in election season. There's, there's a way out, right? God gives us an out. What, what does it say? Be anxious for what? Nothing. It seems eerily similar to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Trust in the Lord in all things. So, and Paul says, rejoice in, in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and was everything in, in Paul's life always good? No. Not, not even close. Did Paul rejoice in the midst of his turmoil? Yes. He did. I mean, they were sitting in prison at midnight. And what were they doing? When they were in the wilderness, they worshiped. When they were in turmoil, they trusted. So Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So we've paraphrased that, right? I'm going to worry about nothing, and I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to worry about nothing, I'm going to pray about everything. Well, that's a great thing to say. Isn't that, isn't that kind of hard to do sometimes? But does worry then reveal a lack of trust? I know you don't want to admit it, but it does. I don't want to admit it, but it's true. Worry and faith, they, they can't coexist. If I truly have faith, I will no longer worry. If I truly trust, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything, what does verse 7 say? Let's put it up on the screen. Philippians 4, verse 7. So be anxious about nothing, pray about everything. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So even in turmoil, if I trust, I can have peace. But you have to make a choice, don't you? I'm going to choose that I'm going to worry about nothing, I'm going to pray about everything, and when I do, the benefit of that is the peace of God in my life. And if you've been a believer very long, you, you've either experienced it personally or you've experienced it observing other people. I'll be completely honest. For me, some of the most impactful things in my life as far as watching someone not worry but have faith and see God give them peace, I've experienced it through other people. I've seen some people have some really bad things happen in their life. I've seen people, and I've walked people through losing a child. And I pray that never happens to me. But what I observed, their faith in turmoil had a huge impact on my life. And to look at them and think, if I worry about nothing and I pray about everything, God does give peace. 
Because peace is not dependent on my circumstances. Peace is is determined by a person. And that's Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus is always available? Aren't you glad what uh, this past week I was visiting the hospital and, and, and Cliff was going through some, you know, medical things and nobody knows what's going on. Don't you love that? Doctors don't know what's going on. And I would think his situation fits the definition of turmoil, Amen. uncertainty. And you know what Cliff said to me? He said, you know, Paul said, God, remove the thorn of my flesh. And God said, no. But God said, my grace is sufficient. And Cliff said, maybe this is my thorn in flesh. And he said, God's grace is sufficient. Peace is not determined on circumstances. Peace is in Jesus. Well, I trust him. So number three, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in God, God, I'm going to have peace from God. And then number three, love for God. I think your bulletin probably says love of God. That's because I typed it wrong. You might change that. It, it, it goes either way, but love for God. So l- let's look back at our text. I'm going to trust in God. He's going to give me peace. And because of that, it's this cycle, right? The more I love God, the more I know God. The more I know God, the more I love God. And the more I love God, the more I know God. And the more I know God, the more I love God. Are you tracking with me? Good, because I ran out of breath. Look, look back at our text, Psalms 91. And I don't know if you, mentioned, I don't know if you caught this, but when Dave was reading this, he, he gave you a clue. Okay, so there's a transition here starting in verse number 14. So the psalmist is talking in verses 1 through 13. What's, at the, what's right before? So in between the numbers 14 and the letter B in verse 14, what do you see there? Anybody see something? I see somebody doing this. Quotation marks. So the, the author is no longer talking himself. He's quoting someone. Who do you suppose he's quoting? God. Let's see what God has to say about the situation. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. What is is God saying? Because the psalmist has trusted me, because the psalmist has pursued me, because the psalmist has loved me, Do you see the action that we need to be a part of in this process? Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will give him peace. It says, I will set him on high. Again, there's another action step. So he, he says, because he loves me, I'll deliver him. I will set him on high. Why? Because he has known my name. Verse 15. Another action step. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him 
my salvation. So love for God. I just have a few questions I want you to think through then. It says here in verse 14, look at it. Because he loves me. So the question for you this morning is, are you actively loving God? He defined what love would be. If you keep my commandments, you love me. Do you love God? Are you actively trusting, pursuing, loving, obeying God? He goes on to say then, verse, uh, the second one there. Because he has loved me, then he says, I will set him on high because he has known my name. How well do you know the Lord? How much time do you spend getting to know him? How much time did you talk to him this past week? How much time did you get out your Bible and read it this week? And it's so easy now. I mean, we, we, we have such accessibility to the Bible. One of my goals uh, for this next year is to listen, uh, in, uh, above my reading every day, but to listen to the Bible through twice in, in 2019. It's so easy. And I can go work out and listen to like four or five days worth of reading, just working out and just filling my head with Scripture. And it's so accessible, and I'm afraid that too often times we, we just don't take advantage of it. How much do you really love God? And, and I think the really, what's going to reveal your love for God is, is that next part. Is how, well, how well do you know him? The next action step it talks about here is he, calls, he shall call upon me and I will answer. How much do you talk to God? You know what's really, really convicting in my life is, is this. If you, if you got the, the new um, update or whatever, and it'll tell you how many hours you spend on your phone. Anybody, anybody looked at that? It don't just tell you how much time you spent on it. It tells you what you did on it. And then it says, like, this is only 1.2 minutes of productivity, and the rest of it was other things. That's convicting. And the reason it's so convicting, because it's true. How much do you love God? How well do you know him? How much time you spend talking to him? Because I promise, it's going to affect when life gets difficult, when there is turmoil, it will impact whether you trust him or not. And if you don't trust him, you're not going to have peace. I'm going to end this morning a little differently. We're going to quote Psalms chapter 23. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, our musicians are going to get ready. Those who are going to come to the front this morning to help us in, in prayer this morning. But I want to end reading Psalms 23. Because here's what's so good about God. Is no matter where we go, God is with us. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. My favorite verse of Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Aren't you thankful that no matter where I go, God is with me?
Can, could we read that together this morning? Psalms 23. We're going to get done reading it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. This song we're going to end this morning with is God with us. We're about to enter the Christmas season, right? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus humbled himself, put on human flesh, became obedient to death, even the death on the cross, so I could have fellowship with God, my creator, so I could trust him, so I could know him, so I could love him, and I want to worship him. Let's read this together. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy. God, you are worthy of our praise. We acknowledge this morning, Lord, that some of us today, are our life is filled with turmoil. And so, Lord, we want to take the next few minutes and we just want to lay it at your feet. We want to do what Peter said when he said, cast all your cares upon on you because you care for us. We want to lay our burdens down here at the altar this morning and say, God, you are in control and we're going to trust you with everything, with all things and in all situations. Today, we're going to acknowledge that our, our peace, our happiness is not based on circumstances, but solely on the name of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray this morning, in the next few minutes, I know some are planning to come and, and to unite in fellowship with this church. Lord, maybe some today are, are, are here to, to come forward and say, I need Jesus in my life. Maybe some are here this morning to say, come forward this morning and say, God, I need peace from you. Maybe some this morning will come and say, Lord, thank you that you're an ever-present help in my time of need. If the Lord has spoken to you this morning in any way, there's people down here that we would love to pray with you. We'll be standing here facing you. If you'd like to pray with us, just come shake our hand. We would love to pray with you. If you want to come this morning and just spend some time in the Lord, and maybe it's just thanking God for his faithfulness. Maybe this morning it's to say, God, I need you, and, and life is just no good right now, and, and, and life is uncertain, and, and I'm filled with anxiety and fear, and God, I seek you, and I need you. Let's worship together this morning, because God, he's right here with us. He'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us.